Welcome to FedSpeak, brought to you by Market News International. I'm Pedro da Costa, and I'm pleased to welcome to the podcast Roberto Perley. He spent almost nine years as a senior staff economist at the Federal Reserve's Board of Governors here in Washington, and is now head of global policy at Piper Sandler. Thanks so much for joining, Roberto. Thank you, Pedro, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's start with uh, the upcoming meeting next week, right? Um, a lot to talk about there, but officials have basically signaled they're going to raise rates by 50 basis points. It's a pretty well-telegraphed thing. I'm wondering, and, and not to mention the balance sheet action that we're going to get, but I'm wondering how many more 50 base, basis point moves do you expect after that? And what might it take for the Fed to either step down to quarter point moves or even pause altogether? Well, so I agree. There's uh, 50 basis points is baked in for next week. And I think uh, it's a very good chance that we're going to get another 50 basis points in June. Um, so beyond that, uh, it really depends on what inflation is going to do, especially core inflation right at this point, given the energy situation. Um, we, uh, we saw some green shoots uh, in the core CPI uh, last month uh, on a month-on-month basis increases, increased much less than expected. So um, we'll see what happens, right? So most of that was used cars, so it was not broad-based. But, but uh, I would think that uh, if the Fed starts seeing uh, a credible downward trend in core inflation, uh, probably uh, they would have an incentive of slowing things down a little bit. Um, not much, right? Still tightening, but maybe not 50 basis points every meeting. Uh, conversely, <laughs> unfortunately, if inflation proves very stubborn and doesn't come down uh, as much as everybody hopes, uh, well, then I think the Fed has very little choice than continuing with 50 and even potentially increasing uh, the pace, right? So I think the concern is uh, really about inflation expectations at this point. Uh, uh, will sustain high inflation uh, generate uh, an, inc- uh, an unwelcome increase in inflation expectations? And if it does, uh, I think the Fed doesn't have many choices. It has to tighten aggressively. And would that moderation have to happen by, say, end of summer after the Fed enacts these sort of two or three 50 basis point increases that you predict? Is that the timeline yes, that you have in mind? They'll kind of wait and see till say the fall and then, and then progress from there. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, <laughs> we've already been waiting for a long time right, for inflation to come down for so more than a year. So forecasts have been wrong for, uh, for a long time. And, uh, and it's precisely this, uh, uh, you know, uh, inflation remaining high for a long time that is uh, calling into question whether inflation expectations will remain anchored. There is some evidence that according to our uh, modelings that, uh, uh, yeah, inflation expectations are not not unanchored yet, uh, but they certainly have increased a lot and uh, they are, I would say, at the upper range, the upper end of the range, uh, the historical range. So so that's, uh, uh, I would say, uh, warning bell for the Fed. It's not a reason for alarm yet, but uh, certainly is a warning bell. I wonder what you make of the recent tightening in financial conditions and rising yields. The Fed's been remarkably lucky, you might say, that you know the, the, the spike in bond yields hasn't led to any dislocations. It's been sort of benign tightening of conditions given the fairly rapid uh, hawkish tilt, if you will. Are you surprised by that? And do you think there's a breaking point Lurking somewhere in the in the in the works that might uh, that might send things astray. 
and there are always breaking points, <laughs> right? Uh, so that we we have to be very mindful of that, and I'm sure the Fed is as well. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, look, I, I think I agree, right? So the things uh, have gone. Uh, as well as possible in terms of uh, market functioning, given the incredible repricing, right, of expectations for for Fed policy, has been has been remarkable. The Treasury market functions relatively well. You know, according to our uh, analysis, there is some evidence of some deterioration in liquidity conditions, but nothing uh, nothing too exciting. Right? So I think things have gone very well from that perspective. It's also true, though, that uh, yes, financial conditions have tightened. Um, so that one thing that really uh, is uh, is very is very obvious is, is a big increase in mortgage rates that has uh, compromised uh, ha- um, house affordability, like in the interest that people would have to pay on a thirty-year mortgage to buy just a median home uh, in the U.S. Uh, nearly doubled from uh, uh, from a year ago. Uh, that's uh, that's a big move, right? So, so that's uh, I think that's the first uh, shoe to drop if you want the housing market. I mean, if, if if things continue, if, if the Fed will do what the market expects it to do, or or or, or more, uh, I think the, you know, that this tighter financial condition will propagate to the corporate world, to other corners of the housing sector, and even the stock market may not uh, um, you know, take it as well as it has taken it so far if we can call it well. Yeah. You mentioned inflation expectations, which are, of course, crucial to the Fed's thinking. Where are we in that process? Do you find? Do you think they're at risk, already unanchored, or where are we? Yeah. No, I don't think they are unanchored. We cannot say that. Right? So you know, we, we have a model that um, uh, try to disentangle pure inflation expectations from break-even rates. So basically, filter out uh, liquidity premiums, uh, risk premiums, and things like that. And uh, and that measure uh, says, uh, well, uh, we are at the upper end of the historical range. If you look at the five-year forward, so distant inflation expectations. Of course, the nearer term are very high for obvious reasons. Yeah. But the distant ones are uh, high, elevated, higher. I would think that uh, the Fed would like them to be but uh, not yet uh, at alarming levels. So we cannot uh, call them unanchored yet. But you know, <laughs> the trend is, uh, is, is, is to the upside. And so uh, I think the important crucial thing from a Fed perspective is that this trend does not continue. So we need to stop the trend. And that's why I think uh, their hawkish rhetoric uh, um, intensified of late. Sure. You've also flagged in your research the notion that the if the Fed's policy has already become restrictive in a way because of that rise in bond yields that we were talking about, in other words, that that treasury long-term treasury yields themselves are already above a neutral level, can you explain that concept a little bit? Well, yeah. So look, uh, you know, there is uh, uh, there is a concept of neutral for the federal funds rate, uh, and it's defined as that uh, idyllic level of the funds rate uh, that neither stimulates the economy nor restrains the economy. So it's a perfect equilibrium level where we aim to be in the long run. So we can extend uh, that concept to the two-year, five-year, 10-year treasury yields. And uh, and what we get is that, okay, the Fed has only, as of today, uh, tightened only 25 basis points. Okay, it would be, a, uh, would be a 75 basis points next week, but still very little. However, the words, the rhetoric, uh, uh, the communication of the Fed has uh, already caused market yields to go above 
what we estimate to be their neutral levels, especially at the long end of the curve, right, where you don't have to worry about, hopefully, don't have to worry about unanchored inflation expectations. So historically, uh, what typically happens, uh, so first of all, I should say, historically, it's very rare that uh, yields across the curve go above their uh, neutral level. When they do, they don't stay there for very long. And unfortunately, uh, uh, unpleasant things happen a few quarters later, right? So it's a recession that, that happens. So in fact, uh, if you plug in this type of information into a model that tries to predict the probability of recession several quarters ahead, you get that um, uh, the probability of recession by the end of 2023, so the end of next year, is in the order of uh, 70%, which is you know, enormous. <laughs> it is enormous. Of course, uh, you know, we have to take that with a grain of salt because uh, this assumes that past relationships still hold in the futures, and we don't know that they will. There's a tremendous amount of uncertainty. So personally, um, my judgment is the probability of recession next year is actually lower than that. But... Uh, <laughs> Well, maybe you know, even if it is in the fifty percent range, I mean, it's not uh, it's not a reassuring um, situation. It's much higher than it would be unconditionally, right? So, so I think that's uh, that's the problem, and uh, I think the Fed is very well aware of this. Uh, you know, of course, they would prefer, as Powell said, to uh, to engineer a soft landing. Soft landing is their goal. Uh, as Powell also said, uh, they will um, uh, they will try their best. To, to achieve such soft landing. But, you know, I, I didn't find that language particularly reassuring, right? <laughs> so normally, if you're really convinced it will achieve a, a soft landing, it will say it's a base case, uh, I'm confident that, you know, I will do my best, but uh, I'm not really sure I'll, I'll, I'll get there, right? So that's, uh, that's the message, and I think is reasonable. All right, we're going to leave it there. Certainly a turbulent year, and we'll, we'll follow up a few, in a few months to see, see where we are. But thank you so much for coming on, Roberto. No, thank you. This is Fed Speak, brought to you by Market News International.